what I want to do is talk to you today about uh, tithers' rights and just give you a brief um, you know, recap for those of you that couldn't be here. Uh, you can also go back online. Everything that we do here uh, in terms of messages is online at your disposal. You can just uh, download it whenever you want to. But I want to point out to you that we're in the middle of a series called what? Supernatural increase. That God is able to increase us through his own supernatural means, not necessarily separate from our efforts. God expects us to do what we can, but he has the ability to increase us in a way that is supernatural or beyond and above the natural ability that you and I have. We've learned the first key to that is walking in the truth. Say that with me, walking in the truth. Walking in God's truth, walking in his ways, that's number one. That's the foundation. That's what we call the prosperous soul. But then we also learn that it's important for us to be faithful. Everybody say faithful three times. If we want to increase supernaturally, you also have to be diligent. We just keep on doing the things we know to do day in and day out, week in and week out, year in and year out. And we don't look at other people can have an amen. We just focus on ourselves and do what we're supposed to do. And the reason I, I like these principles, there are seven of them all together. And of course, the fourth principle is the principle of the tithe. No one can uh, force us not to do these things. There's no one that can tell me, well, I'm going to stop you from walking in the ways of God. I'm going to keep you from being faithful. Or you know what? I'm going to intercept your diligence. You know what? I'm going to watch you try to tithe. I'm going to snatch it out of your hand. No one can stop me from doing these things, which means that no one can stop me from supernaturally increasing. No one. And so there are some people, when you get on a subject like the tithe, their, their, their inner man, their emotions... Uh, different parts of, of who they are, they begin to just, you know, tense up. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, relax, he's not going to cook you and eat you. <laughs> you know, it is, uh, it is well said that, that, that true preaching, the word of God without compromise, it'll make you either hate your sin or hate the preacher. Unfortunately, I found some truth in that. <laughs> but I stay in love. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> and so should you, because it's one of the ways of God. It's walking in the truth. But as we've gone through this particular message, taking a couple weeks to do it, we've come to the place where we talk about what happens when a person makes up their mind that they're going to be that hilarious tither, that consistent tither, that God increases them. And they do this not out of obligation or out of a command or out of a law, but write this down. They do it out of revelation. The thing about this whole message that has changed my life the most is discovering that this is not some you know, command from Mount Sinai that strikes my heart. It's actually a revelation of God's best for you and for me. And when it becomes a revelation, it's easy to do. It's exciting to do. You, you know how God flows and you just can't wait to see what he's going to do next. But when it's just something that you think man gave you or a church gave you or it's some law or some commitment to be a member, blah, blah, blah. Everybody look at somebody and say, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not going to last, first of all. It's not going to bring you much joy. It's not going to bring you much increase. But boy, when you do this with the right spirit, understanding God gave me a revelation of the tithe, just like Abram. So look at Genesis with me one more time. And you'll see in the, in the scriptures that this man, Abram, practice this, giving God 
The first 10 cents of every dollar, giving him, of course, 10% of his goods. He did this by revelation, not by some law. What happens here is 400 years before the law is ever given. So where in the world did he get this idea that he would honor God with a tithe? He got it by revelation from God. Now, I don't know about you. There's some people in the Word of God that are pretty good examples. There's some people in the Word of God that are outstanding examples. And there's some people in the Word of God you don't want to follow at all. This is a pretty good one to follow when you see what God did with him and through him and how God blessed his life. And the scripture says in chapter 14, and we'll just start here, I think it's uh, well, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. These are covenant symbols. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Now watch the sequence of this. Which came first, the tithe or the blessing? The blessing. See this? He blessed Abram. Blessed to be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed to be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. That's one of the benefits of the tither. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. We love God because he first loved us. And we respond in honor with a tithe not to get him to bless us, but what? Because we recognize he's already blessed us. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're already blessed. Profusely blessed. So what I do is I recognize what God has done in my life. And I look to him and I say, you know, you have been amazing. How could I not return and honor you with this little thing called the tithe and everything you have done? Now what happens is he blesses us we honor him with a tithe, and then he blesses us what? All the more. I tell you what, it's wonderful to be a child of God. Now, the reason I say this is a revelation, because if all you hear are words, or all you hear are obligations, all you hear you know, are stipulations of some dogma, some church, you're going to miss the whole point. But if revelation comes, it transforms your life. It takes the lid off your life. It takes the chains and the bondages off of your life. And you also find out that the tithe is far more about other things and not just about money or coinage. It's a full life impacting revelation. And I'm so glad that the Lord revealed these things to me. And so I don't see it as, as a burden or something I have to overcome emotionally to teach these things. I feel it's a responsibility to teach the people of God these things. I believe it is ministerial malpractice not to teach people about revelation like righteousness or revelation like the new birth or revelation like the ministry of the Spirit of God or revelation about the tithe. It's, why would God raise you up and then you not be faithful to teach the people of God these things? Because where it's not taught, it holds the people back. Yes, they may like you a little bit more because he doesn't ever talk about money. You know what? I'm not here for a popularity contest. And God's not going to ask me how well I was liked one day. And you should know the longer in ministry, the, the list of dislike gets longer. The question is, are you going to be faithful with what God has given you? 400 years before the law, Abraham received the revelation of the tithe. His grandson Jacob was very similar. Go to Genesis chapter 28. Everybody say, I have ears to hear, a heart to receive. God give me revelation. Amen. 
Do you mean that prayer today? Give me revelation on these matters, and I'll never be the same again. Scripture says, and uh, I guess I'm going to start here, 18, about verse 20. When you're there, say, I am there. Amen. Genesis 28. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, uh, I am taken and I will give and give me food to eat and clothes to wear. Are you listening to this church? So that I will return safely to my father's house. And the Lord will be my God. Hallelujah. And this stone I've set up as a pillar will be what? God's house. Where did he get that from? His grandfather. And watch this. And all that you give me, what? I will give a tenth. This is even more astounding because now he's saying that I'm not only going to do a, a Melchizedek thing like Abraham did. Whenever you give me, I'm going to honor you with the first 10% of it. This is Revelation, church. This is not law. The law comes in later on to back up a principle that God has set up. And all I can tell you is you don't have to be healed to go to heaven physically. You don't you know, have to understand righteousness. I have a great revelation of it to go to heaven. You don't, you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. You, know, you don't have to believe a lot of things to go to heaven. What you have to do is repent of your sin and ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. That's how you get to heaven. But I will tell you this, you're living far below your privileges on earth if you just live your life on the revelation of the new birth and then die and go to heaven one day. Well, thank God you go to heaven. But you know, this word is to tell us about the full dimensions of his kingdom and what he does for his people and what he has provided. I want you to see here that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were blessed on this earth, not after they left this earth. God took care of them on this earth, not after they left this earth. God's commitment to his people is from the moment, listen, they are conceived throughout eternity. He is their God and they are his people. Aren't you glad you're one of his people today? He truly loves you and cares about you. And so the point is, Abraham and, and Jacob did not get this by law. They got it by revelation and it changed them. And the reason they were able to walk this out is because somebody wasn't holding a stick over them. It was about seeing things through the eyes of revelation. Now, when we talk about this, we also mentioned in the fact that Jesus in Matthew chapter 23 also affirmed to the Pharisees that tithing is correct behavior, but don't forget about practicing love and mercy and justice. Can I have an amen? You get real religious and you tithe and you treat people like garbage. How do you understand that's not honoring God? And there are people like that. There are a lot of people that know all about the law and all about the regulations and all about the do nots, but they forgot about walking in love and justice and mercy. Do you know that the Bible describes itself this way, that it's the duty of the believer to walk in love and practice things like justice and mercy and love? In other words, we're really not walking with God if we don't. That's why this whole cancel culture thing just frosts my pumpkin. There's no love in it whatsoever. There is no mercy in it whatsoever. Do you know, if we go far enough back in your life, we're going to find something ugly. Something you did, something you said. 
And you, we should destroy the rest of your life because of what you, I thank God God's not that way. You know what God says? I know everything you did, everything you said, and I still love and forgive you. And guess what? I'm not going to destroy your life. I'm going to make your life better than it's ever been. Thank God he's in control. Because this whole business, be careful if you get into that mentally, you practice that because the one that practices life without mercy will be given no mercy. Turn to somebody and say, and you need mercy. Hallelujah. If you weren't here, we mentioned some reasons that uh, what not, you know, a person who won't practice tithing, what does that indicate? First of all, ignorance, a lack of knowledge, not stupidity, but a lack of knowledge on the tithe. Number two is fear. If I tithe, I'm going to run out. I'll never have enough. Unbelief. I don't believe tithing is the standard. Or I don't believe it will personally benefit my life. Four is idolatry. The fastest way for you and for me to prove something is not an idol to us. Get rid of it. Give it away. Amen. See what happens? When my brother-in-law came out of the outlaw biker world, he gave everything away, including everything he had associated with the outlaw biker lifestyle, including some very beautiful bikes that he had acquired. And after he gave his life to the Lord, he wanted no part of that. There's some months later, this little lady came up to him and said, you know what? I believe the Lord told me to give you this Harley Davidson. He's like, I gave up that lifestyle. He took that Harley and dedicated it to God. And God said, this is your pulpit. Do you know, I can't even count how many he's been given. Do you see this? What you sow away, what you give away in God's command, he has a funny way of showing you that it wasn't about the stuff. It was about the heart behind it. Idolatry, selfishness, no sense of responsibility for others. Number six is dishonor. Rejection of the tithe is a rejection of the object of our tithing. That's why it's a key factor. Tithing is a lifelong expression of gratitude and appreciation for the eternal grace and goodness of God. Can I have an amen? And another reason people fail to tithe is self-sufficiency. I don't need God. I don't need help. I'm doing just fine on my own. Why would I want to tithe? Why would I want to get involved in that? Because, again, it goes back to honoring God, recognizing, that, as, as Rodney said, you couldn't even put a sentence together if it weren't for God. Amen. Thank you, Father. So we spent some time with you last week talking to you about how to tithe. Tithing is not just pushing a button on a computer or throwing something in a bucket or writing a check. It's a specific manner that we conduct ourselves when we're actually recognizing that we're tithing based on the increase that God gave us. And very simply, by way of review, this is from Deuteronomy 26. First of all, you tithe with words, not just with funds. You're saying faith-filled words over that. Father, thank you for what you have done. Now I return and I bless you and I give you this and I honor you with this tithe. I thank you, Lord, for receiving it. I thank you for giving what you gave me. I thank you, Lord, what you have done in my life and I recognize it. Number two, with remembrance. What does that mean? Everybody in this room was brought out of some kind of Egypt. Every single person. Every person in this room has a story of what God did for them. He said, oh, pastor, I was raised in church, you know, and I don't even remember a time when I wasn't in church. Well, it's not about being in church. You know, if you were raised in church and got pickled in religion juice, you've been delivered from Egypt. 
So you may not have come out of some drug addiction or some outlaw biker world or whatever, but God brought you out of some Egypt. And when you tithe, you say, I remember where I was. I remember what you did, and I will honor you all of my days with this tithe because you set me free just like you brought Israel out of Egypt and you provided for them in the middle of the wilderness. And today, you've made them the apple of your eye, a great nation in technology and medicine and agriculture. It literally is stunning what you have done with this nation. As, you, as they honor you, I will honor you all the days of my life. Do you see that? Look at somebody and tell them, you got a backstory, friend. Everybody has come out of some kind of Egypt. Aren't you glad he brought you out? You say, what if I get entangled again? He'll bring you out again. Hallelujah. Number two, not just with words, but with remembrance. Number three, with substance. With the first fruits of all your increase. With that 10%, that first thin dime of every dollar, Brother Osteen used to say. It's a great way to remember. It's not difficult. It's not complicated. People just reject it when they don't like it. But can I tell you something? Get a revelation and let this thing work for you and not against you. Number four, you do it with honor. Honor means what is in your heart and expressed, of course, with your mouth. But you know what, God, I, I bless you and I honor you with this. Lord, what, what have you done in my life? It's outstanding what you have done in my life. Nobody else has done this. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What you did for them, you're doing for me, and I honor you. In other words, you recognize that that stuff's not the most valuable thing to you. Who's the most valuable thing to you? God is the most valuable thing to you. The Lord is the most precious thing to you. I'm not going to say this money or this stuff or this mechanical thing or whatever it is is more important than you. No, you're the most important thing in the universe to me. Those things didn't save us. Come on, talk to me, church. When you got healed, it wasn't money that healed you. It wasn't stuff that set you free. It was the Lord that set you free. Aren't you glad he's a good God and he cares about you today? That stuff didn't do anything for you. The Lord. Years ago in the revival of 1995 in Pensacola, Florida, there was a Buddhist who got saved. They had they were baptizing her that night and they said, you want to give a testimony? And she said, yes. She said, all my life I served Buddha. Buddha do nothing for me. Jesus do everything for me. And that's the word. That's absolutely the word of God. Why? Because he's alive. And he's seated at the right hand of God. Amen. And he lives to intercede for you and for me. Say with me, with words, with remembrance, with substance, with honor, and with expectation. In other words, if you honor God, you should expect that he will keep his word for you. Do you believe that today? Uh, if he does, if you do your part, do you believe he'll do his part? So watch this. He blesses us, and we turn around and tithe, and then he blesses us all the more. I told Kelly this, and this is the absolute truth. I wish I'd have had this revelation as a youngster. Now, she did. She grew up hearing the message, tapped into it. God has blessed her and my wife in so many ways and in so many situations. But, uh, you know, we didn't all have that revelation. To be a youngster and start out, you know, with the money from your birthday or, or somebody gave you something and you just recognize that it all came from God. I tell you, it's life-changing, but it's going to require that you have a revelation. Everybody say it out loud and say it strong. God, give me a revelation of the time. What does this mean? 
It means that we see in God the ability to hook up to him through Jesus, you know, in a covenant, a sacred, irrevocable covenant, a sacred promise. We recognize what he has done. And our first inclination, just like Abraham, is not to have a mental battle over this. Our first inclination is not to say, well, you know, I got this need or I got this problem. Your first inclination is, how fast can I honor God with what he has given me? That's not going to flow from some sense of obligation or duty. Are you here, church? It's not going to happen. It's not going to last. The only things that last in your behavior as a Christian are the things that you get a revelation of. Amen? You have Jesus, you're going to heaven. I'm telling you, he wants your life on this earth to be more than just breathing and dying one day. So what does that mean? It means according to the narratives in the book of Exodus, and what Genesis has to say in chapter 1, that there are rights for those that tithe. Shout this out with me, tithers' rights. What am I saying? I'm saying that God started it all initially. Don't think that you somehow are, are buying rights with your tithe. This was all God's idea to begin with. The mechanism was set up by God that he would bless you, you would respond in honor with the tithe, and then he could release all the more on your life. It's all his idea. It's all his doing. You're not buying anything. Uh, I mean, I understand you can't afford it. You can't purchase the blood that set this thing in motion, so you can't afford the benefits, but you can enjoy them with revelation. Hallelujah. Say, it is a good day to be in church. Amen. Say it by faith. I'm never going to be the same. I have revelation on the tithe and revelation on the rights that go with it. I encourage you strongly, and I put these just into some categories that will help you remember them. I encourage you strongly to get the Word of God out. Write these down and think about them. Meditate on them. Let them get into you because when you come across something that is going crosswise with these promises of God, you'll get all the more you know, bold about standing on your rights. Amen? That's your question. How... How much before 1967 was technically the emancipation proclaimed in this country? About a hundred years. About a hundred years. And still somebody's being told, when you get on that bus, you sit in the back of that bus. Well, somebody had a revelation. Are you watching today? Somebody had a revelation to say, according to the Constitution, according to the Declaration, according to the Emancipation Proclamation, for which a certain president lost his life in service of this ideal, I don't have to sit in the back of the bus. I can sit where? Wherever I want to sit. And if I do sit in the back of the bus, I'm gonna, I like it back here. <laughs> and wouldn't move. What did Rosa Parks have at that moment? Revelation. And revelation, my friends, makes you bold. Makes you bold in the natural, makes you bold in the spiritual. And by far, Rosa is just one of many, many, many names we can mention, not just in this country, but around the world. 
When you find out what your rights are, it makes you bold. When you don't know, people can walk all over you. When you don't know, the devil can walk all over you. And I mean, no, you're not his footstool. You're not supposed to have him on top of you. He's supposed to be under your feet, according to the word of God. So write these down. Anything you see in the story of Exodus and following, you invoke these rights as a child of God. Number one is the right to protection. The right to have the enemy rebuked and destroyed for your sake. I love it when the scripture says in Malachi, he'll rebuke the devourer. I mean, understand when we rebuke, that's something. But when he rebukes, it be rebuked. Oftentimes, when we rebuke, we're a hoping and a wishing. When he rebukes, it is rebuked. It is stayed. A right to protection. You know, just leaving Egypt was just part of the story. When they got to this edge of the water, there was no way to get across. Everybody say, Tyler's rights. Coming behind them was what church? The most powerful army on the face of the planet. This was not an idle threat. His, his heart at that moment in time was destroy them. At the very least, bring them back if he could. But they were not going to be the same in this encounter, in this situation. So what does God do? The God who is a God of covenant remembers he has a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He literally tells Moses that staff in his hand is all he needs because it represents the authority and the power of God. And I can almost hear Moses saying, Tither's rights. <laughs> Slam that staff down and the water parts and they go across on dry land. They try to pursue that water completely encapsulates them and destroys the most powerful army just like that. And then they enter into the wilderness. Who is there still their God protecting them? You say, well, that's for them. No, it's not. Your covenant with God is not less, it's greater. It's a better covenant. And all I can tell you is this. As you live your life, and you're believing God, and you're in the word of God, and you're confessing things like Psalm 91 over yourself, over your family, you take that very seriously. Because the devil would love to have an opportunity and inroads into your life, into your affairs. And the bottom line is protection is one of those rights we call tither's rights. You say, well, something happened to me, and I was in an accident, and I had broken bones, or I was maimed, or I went through a lot of suffering. Let me tell you something. Some of you give your angels a workout. What you don't see is what would have happened had they not intervened. Let me try that just one more time. What if they did not intervene? What if there was no supernatural divine protection in your life? There are people in this room that God has supernaturally and divinely protected you, and you don't even have a clue. You don't even know what he has done. But you know enough of God and his word that you have been faithful to tithe and faithful acknowledgement and faithful to honor him. And listen, you don't have to know every time you've been protected. Just know you've been protected. When you're facing a threat like that, what should come out of your mouth? Come on, shout it out. Tither's rights. It is a right to be protected. And he is in the ministry of protection. 
But you get bold. Wait, 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 wait. I recognize God just like Abraham as his enemies came at him and he was delivered from them. So shall I be as well. Amen. When he attacks you, you yell tithers rights. Amen. Let's practice. Tithers rights. Do you know it's really difficult to yell tithers rights if you're not tithing? It, it's just kind of hollow in here, isn't it? But when you are a tither, guess what happens? It comes out as a roar. Amen. Number two, the right to preservation. Hallelujah. Time and time again, we see in Scripture, God ministering to his faithful, the right to divine healing and divine health and long life and strong life. He says in Exodus, I am the Lord that healeth thee. This includes restoration from things that have been broken, things that have been stolen, things that have been destroyed. It means divine reparations for what has been stolen, years and labor. As God preserved his people in Egypt in the wilderness through genocide all the way to become a powerhouse today in technology and agriculture and medicine, we see how God has preserved them even though the enemy came to destroy them. The United States just rounded up another Nazi guard and sent him back overseas. Oh, thank God they found him. Well, he's 95 years old. Why don't you leave him alone? No, he should stand to count for what he did outside of Hamburg, Germany, in a work camp, working people literally to death. And then he escapes and he comes to this country in the 50s and lives here as that war criminal. I thank God they found him. Okay, you know, it's, uh, in Scripture, as we see in life today, the devil did his best, but it wasn't good enough because the covenant people not only survive, they thrive in Jesus' name. Are you here today? Well, you're a child of God as well. The right to preservation. When the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, and you know that you've got a revelation of the tithe, you've been tithing, you need to yell, tithers rights. Let me tell you about a revelation that's coming to this land. And it's not about what man can provide in terms of justice. It's not about what man can do for equality. It's not what man can do to right former wrongs. It's what God is going to do to right former wrongs. There's coming to this nation a revelation among the African-American community that I am a, 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 you know, a, a descendant of a slave or a descendant of someone who is oppressed. And there are also people that can say the same thing in other cultures and around the world. And their labor stolen and wages stolen. People are getting rich off of the backs of people and their descendants in this room even that could say that. Can I tell you something? The revelation is coming to this nation that it's not the government that will do it, but God will provide reparations to his people. In fact, in James, the scripture talks about the wages crying out. They were not paid. Now, you, some of you look like you're white, but you might also have black ancestry. Hallelujah. And vice versa. Can I tell you something? Your hope is in a God. Your hope is in God. And that revelation is coming. That's why ministries like Dr. Fred Price are so incredibly important. That's why what Dr. Bill Winston preaches and teaches and Crempo teaches, because there's a revelation there that man can't do. Man can't afford to do what has to be done. But there's a God who has it all. 
And so I'm telling you, if you've been ripped off, if something has happened, you have not seen things restored, bless God, he is your restorer. What a great year it is to be restored. Somebody has ripped you off, stolen from you, hurt you, harmed you, held you back. Look to God and just say, hallelujah, point of order, tithers rights. Don't be surprised when you see restoration coming. Amen. Glory to God. Be all right, Miss Aniff. You were a billionaire. Would that be okay? <laughs> Did you see how fast that arm shot up there? Boy, it almost took it right out of socket. Hallelujah. Revelation. It's a revelation. Uh, that little tidbit came to me when I was in Nassau several years ago and just came out of my spirit, you know, talking to the church down there that one of our college students, uh, Valentino, uh, planted with his wife, Cleo. And uh, I'm convinced of it. Watch and see what God does. There's nothing that man can steal, hold back, or rip off from another man that God cannot restore. So you ever been ripped off or held back? You claim it. Tither's rights in Jesus' name is what will get you there. Amen. Glory to God. Number three, the right to promotion. There are people in this room that are told, you'll never be anything. You'll always be held back. You'll always be the tail, not the head. You know, you're never going to be lifted up. You're always going to be pushed down. This is the way it is. That's the way people have treated you. That's the way it's been with family. That's the way it's been with other people. But I'm telling you, the promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, or west. It comes from your God. And when it's time for a promotion, God can find you. God can push through a crowd of a thousand people in the workplace and find that tither and promote that person. Some of you are looking at me like a raccoon who's about to be struck on Highway 94 in the middle of the night. <laughs> he can find the tither. You're not the one at work complaining, bad-mouthing the boss. You're not the one sowing strife. You're doing your job for the glory of God. Will God ever find me? Will they ever notice me? With tithers' rights, God will pick you out of the crowd and lift you up so that you're the head and not the tail. Above only... And not beneath. Hallelujah. When you're told you're a nobody, you'll never be anything, you'll always be on the bottom and passed over, you need to yell out, tithers rights. Amen. Tithers rights. Ties to your promotion. Glory to God. Only 15 more of these. <laughs> the right to protection, the right to preservation, the right to promotion. Number four, the right to provision. The right to everything that pertains to life on this earth. Food, shelter, transportation, meaningful vision, opportunities, relationships, wisdom when you need it, insight when you need it, revelation when you need it. He has proven in his dealings with his people, if he has to rain down manna from above to feed you, you will be fed. If he has to cause water to flow from a rock for your provision, he will do so. If he has to part the Red Sea for you, he will. What does this mean? When scarcely in life try to move in on your life and your family, you yell tithers rights. Scripture says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or a seed what? 
begging bread. What does that mean? It means that God comes through. Raise your hand if you've ever seen God come through for you in a hard place. You didn't know what you're going to have to eat or how you're going to pay that bill, but your God came through. Now, approach this from now on with revelation. There's a reason for that. Righteous, those in right standing with God, with revelation, doing what they're told to do. He opens up the spigot all that much more, the right to provision. I think about people that have basic needs in this life right now, but you also on occasion need to know what to do. That's what tithers right. I need to hear from heaven. That's a tithers right. How am I going to handle this situation? That's a tithers right. You should boldly proclaim that whenever you're at a crossroad. God, what are you saying? What are you doing in this hour in my life? Shout it out. The right to protection, preservation, promotion, provision. I'm about to have you quote this fifth one. I don't want any of you getting wimpy on me. Like a wimpy, wimpy cinch sack. Strong, amen? Hefty, hefty bag. Come on, look at somebody and say, pump you up, amen? You need to be strong in this. Meaning, mouthing, embarrassed by it, judged by religion, People putting you down, making fun of you. You're one of those kind of people. You need to brush all that aside because a high price has been paid for you to have tithers' rights. Number five is the right to prosper. The right to prosper. Heaven endorsed, engaged, implemented right, a right to prosperity. And every religious devil in town screams. If God can raise you from the dead, if God can forgive you of your sin, if God can reach a nation, if God can heal your body, if God can set you free from drugs, alcohol, all kinds of bondages, cannot God supernaturally provide for you and bless your life? One revelation I did have years ago as a baby Christian, whatever you're ashamed of, you won't walk in. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel, any of it. For it's the power of God and the salvation soteria to them that believe first for the Jew, then what? For the Gentile. Come on, say it. I am not ashamed. And there are people who are ashamed of this. You cannot be in faith and in shame at the same time. Fortunately for us, the Lord carried our shame. So we don't have to be ashamed. Amen. What we have done, what we didn't do, we don't have to be ashamed of what God has said. All prosperity means is well-being in every area of your life. What it means is God's ability to supernaturally advance you, the right to have power to succeed and excel and increase and bear fruit in every area of life. It is that same anointing that brings financial prosperity and wealth. Literally, the Bible says it gives God pleasure when you do prosper. How many want to give him some more pleasure? Well, if he has pleasure when you prosper, then it's not a stretch to say he might have displeasure if you don't. There go those looks again. (laughs) Say it with me. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. How many servants of God are out there today? Raise your hand if you're his servant. He takes pleasure when things are going well for you. When you succeed, when you excel, when you increase. 
the key is, in Deuteronomy 8, 17, you'll hear people say this, remember the Lord, for it's the, what? For he's the one that gives you power to get wealth. Now, why would he give you power to get wealth if he didn't want you to increase? The reason that scripture is in there is something, well, remember God, he's the one that gave you the good, the houses, he's the one that gave you the transportation, he's the one that gave you the jobs, and all that is true, but the point is, and so confirms his covenant. When a child of God prospers, it's a mark of God's covenant being fulfilled. When God blesses your life and he begins to make you an example, there's a distinction the Bible tells us in multiple places between the righteous and the unrighteous. How many of you volunteer to be a poster child for God's goodness? Amen. Hallelujah. He's good, isn't he, church? Amen. There's something that comes on you and all of a sudden he is blessing your life. Remember him, honor him, credit him. He has just proven his covenant is true in and through your life. Not only does it help you, it inspires other people. Remember that prosperity is a sign that you're in covenant with Almighty God, and it's his doing. So there's a situation working against your success. It's working for your defeat. It's working to take from you. It's working to rob you. It's working to hold you back. You just stick your head up high, and you say, guess what? I have tithers' rights. I'm supposed to be blessed. That was God's idea from Genesis chapter 1. Say it boldly. I'm supposed to be blessed. Oh, let's say it like we beat it. I'm supposed to be blessed. Well, how come everything's falling apart? Just because it's falling apart right now doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Why do you think the word of God goes forth in power and revelation to get people who are in a certain circumstance and get them out in Jesus' name and get you moving forward in what God has for you? You know, every nation where a great missions organization like the Assemblies of God has planted churches and raised up leaders, every nation where missions has ever gone across the board, God not only saved those people, but lifted them up economically. Listen to me, church, not one exception to that rule. Not one. Where they have accepted Christ, Christ has lifted them up. Where a nation has turned to God, the nation has been blessed. Why would we think that would not be the same impact on our lives as individuals who love God? Amen? It's a revelation. The tithe is a revelation, but so are the benefits a revelation. Turn to somebody again and say, I'm supposed to be blessed. Come on, say, boy, I don't care if you like it or not. I'm supposed to be blessed. Amen? <laughs> Tithers' rights. Y'all heard Dr. Barkley tell a story about his grandchild who slipped into a pool. When they found her, she was dead. Flopped her up on the pool deck. They called the authorities and whatnot. Um, when they told this little girl's daddy, he came flying out of the back of the house, 100 miles an hour. And what roared out of his mouth, what do you think it was? It wasn't, why me, Lord? It wasn't recrimination, well, who wasn't watching her? 
what flew out of his mouth, out of his spirit, out of his heart was tithers rights. That's how he presented himself and bending over that body. And you know that by the time EMTs came, you know what she was doing? Breathing. Perfectly, perfectly fine. Now, I want to encourage you that whatever is in here in a crisis, that's what's coming out. What you've been storing for months and months and years before a crisis, that's what's coming out in the crisis. There's no way to fake it at that point in time. But what roared out of his, his mouth was the revelation, and I have a covenant with Almighty God. I've been faithful to God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, asking you at this point in time to move. And when he said, tither is rights, it was like throwing the totality of the covenant at the devil. The fullness of the word of God. Bullseye, just like David did with Goliath. Amen. I'm not going to do 50 messages on the tithe this year. Sitting here, thinking, oh, thank God, praise God. David. <laughs> but what I ask is of the Lord that you would have a revelation on this. Because no matter how many times it's preached, until the spirit of wisdom revelation comes on you for that area, it won't be something that you own. There are many, many things I'm assigned to deal with this year. I believe that it is unquestionably a year of turnaround for you. I believe it. I believe these things are foundations for us so that we can move forward in confidence. But I want you to understand that somebody who has a revelation of the tithe, just like Abraham and just like Jacob, got it by the Spirit of God. They did not get it from man. They didn't get it from a law book. They got it from man. They practices and then began to walk out rights and example for you and for me to follow. And if there's ever a day where we need people to have revelation, it's today. All we're saying is, you're not limited by what you can do when you have revelation. All of a sudden, there's a whole other level that comes into play here. Now watch this. I want you to go back to Genesis 12 as we wrap this up. Hallelujah. While you're turning there, can I say it again? It's your right to be protected. It's your right to be preserved. It's your right to be promoted. It's your right to provision. It's your right to prosper. How many like those? Now, if you're here today and you happen to be saying, oh, well, I just, I don't care about any of that stuff. Doesn't bother me to have it or not. That's okay. You claim Tyler's rights and then you say to God, give it to Pastor Art. All of it. Give it. All of it. He'll, he'll take it. And share it with David. Yeah, give him part too. <laughs> but here's the thing. You, you don't have to embrace any revelation from Scripture. That's no one's going to make you believe or make you do anything. And, and we don't have a finance committee that knocks on your door in the middle of the day. Brother or sister, we don't listen you haven't tied. These things are between you and the Lord. You and the Lord enjoy Enjoy processes and stuff. Did you know she prays blessing over you? Amen. Well, somebody has to process the stuff. Amen, church. But the point is, um, if you decide 
not to walk in that revelation. Just do me one favor. Don't criticize those who choose to walk in that revelation. Because you don't know what they've had to overcome. You don't know what God has done. Amen. Hallelujah. How about we just start letting people just be? Trying to confine, you know, fashion them and conform them and manipulate them and control. Why don't we just take a big breath and just let God do his work? Amen. I promise you that he will. But just like Joshua asked for me in my house, I will, we, we, will, we will serve the Lord. As for me in my house, we're laying hold of the tithers' rights, every single one of them. And many we didn't talk about today. But I want you to see this because I'm going to, I'm going to ask this is a simple question. Raise your hand if you think revelation is growing in your life on this matter. I don't mean law. Or I'm talking about revelation is growing on this. Okay. Now, how many of you believe revelation is growing in your life on tithers' rights? Okay. Raise your hand if you accept the revelation on the tithe. Raise your hand if you accept the rights of the tither. Okay. Why would you say that? Because if you want the rights of a tither, you also have to accept the responsibility of a tither. Say it with me, the rights of a tither and the responsibility of a tither. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of earth will be what? Blessed through you. There is a purpose on this revelation. And it is God blesses us. We tithe. He blesses us all the more so that we can what? Be a blessing. Come on, say to me, be a blessing. There are people that seem to be only interested in getting all they can, canning what they get, and sitting on the can. But that's not what this is all about. This is not about you filling up every storage place you have and then letting the world go to hell in a handbasket, ignoring needs far and wide, not supporting the local mission as well as worldwide missions, because there's only so much time. How many understand this thing is going to wrap up one day? If you accept the revelation of the tithe and you embrace it with faithfulness and diligence and you claim and lay hold of the tither's rights, you also have to claim the responsibility of the tither. And the tither responsibility is simple. It's, it's you've been blessed. So what? Be a blessing. Bless people around you. Bless people around the world. Bless people across the street. Bless people in your family. Bless people out of your family. Be a blessing. You've already got the tithe thing figured out. Now, be a blessing to others. If we accept the revelation to tithe, then when they hold of the rights, we must also embrace the responsibility. You know, there's a man named Jim Mickenville, and um, he's a furniture man in Houston, Texas. He's been doing business there for 40 years. They call him uh, Mattress Mac, I believe it is. And uh, when this storm hit, millions in Texas without power, he took two of his main stores and he opened them up to people who were without heat, without food, without water. And they literally came in there with a little bit of clothes they had and they're laying on his, on his furniture and laying on his mattress. Are you getting the picture here? Yeah. 
I can't have people coming here and just laying on my new mattresses, hanging out in this furniture store. That was the farthest thing from his mind. They asked him about this after he opened up the two stores. He said, well, my parents always taught me that the essence of living is giving. Isn't that good? Say that with me, the essence of living is giving. The Catholic church that I went to taught me that who much has been given, much is expected. You believe that too? Who much is given, much is expected. And I know somebody walking around with tithers rights is being given much. He said, I was taught too much has been given, much is expected. And let's face it. The customers of Texas have been great to us over the past 40 years. And here's what he said. He said, it's not our privilege to do this. It's not our right to do this. It's our obligation. This is what we were put on the earth to do to help other people. Right now in Houston, people still in the stores because he understood this principle. Now I ask you, does this sound like a blessed man to you? That's just two of his stores. He's profusely blessed. What is he thinking about in the middle of this situation? The people with broken pipes, no heat, no way to get around, and the possibility of them dying. Is this a serious situation? Yes. My sister Tammy lives up in the Conroe area. The northern part of Houston was hit really hard as well. They've had broken pipes, etc. But she said somebody she, she knew could not get any heat in the house, went out into the car and started up the car, put the family in there, but the garage door was not open, and they died. And you contrast that with the businessman who understood, I am blessed to be what? To be a blessing. Now, we can't do everything, but we can what? We can do something. Do you see how this works? And what do you think God's going to do with this man's business? incalculable what's going to happen for the generosity and the love and the compassion he has shown in this situation. I understand that there are people out there that teach and it's very selfish in their approach. It's very selfish in their communication. They don't get to this point. And there's some people that just tune out. They don't hear these things. But the rights are always paired with the responsibility. Don't claim the rights if you don't want the responsibility. And if you want the responsibility, you're going to need the rights to function that way, to be that way. Amen. Glory to God. Supernatural increase, walking in God's ways, faithfulness, diligence, and what? Tithing the tithe. Hallelujah. Come on, shout out. I have tithers rights. Come on, stand to your feet and say, I have tithers rights. I have the tither's responsibility. I accept it. In Jesus' name. Every right is mine. And the responsibility is mine. Now, let me ask you again. Did you have something that he brought you out of? Lift a hand if he brought you out of something. Lift the other hand if you think he's still involved in your life to this day. Now, come on, let's bless him. He brought you out. He brought you out, hallelujah. You were undone without hope, hallelujah, and he brought you out. Good God. 
It does good things. Glory to God. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Just close your eyes and just, just bless him.